shatter the stigma, mend the mind. Welcome to the live broadcast of Talk Revolution, hosted by Dr. Paul Sambataro, neurocognitive scientist, author, and retired school psychologist. Hello, I'm Dr. Paul Sambataro. Welcome to the first BBS radio podcast from the American Academy of Primary Care Psychologists. My background, my educational background includes a doctorate in neurobehavioral psychology, as well as working as a school psychologist and involved in private practice. Today, we are going to introduce to you the beginning of the podcast with our, uh, this will include a podcast series that includes a revolutionary program that is based on the function of the brain. And in this, we are going to have several discussions in the regards to how this would impact some of the things that are important to us. So in this series that will include uh, such things as special education, other topics such as today, we will discuss uh, situations such as school violence. But in doing so, uh, the basis of this program and the series that follows will always have at the heart the changes in how we address in our perceptions of how we see disabilities, how we regard mental health, and the problem solving that we can do when we have changes in perception. I would hope anytime that if there's any kind of questions or callings, be more than happy to take them. And at that time, I will continue on with some of the things that I feel are important in regards to how we view the changes in our upcoming perceptions of how do we deal with, for example, school violence. Generally speaking, I would like to sort of introduce the functioning basis for the program in regards to how we perceive our issues. Generally speaking, we train ourselves to organize ourselves financially from a young age. Balancing and understanding money management is at least known if not practiced by everyone. Until recently, we have relied on culture and unwritten verbal rules in society to confirm such things as personal boundary space, respect, self-esteem, and general rules that regulate our interactions without having to make choices or decisions. The speed of cultural change has reduced the structure of expectations and is increasingly imperfect means to provide a sustainable emotional support for everyone. And the gaps are everywhere. So in this regard, this program, the way we have based our approach is to take these ideas and concepts 
and to identify ways in which we can attribute or focus on the problem-solving aspects of the issues. For example, what makes a person snap? And in this, one of the things that we will be addressing today is the violence in schools and how this pertains to our perceptions of how we address these issues. From our standpoint and program, we are looking at the very foundation of what unifies or what is what might be associated from one incident to another. In many of the criminal uh, in investigations of any incident, it is always about who, what, and why, and the motivation. But in doing so, we might have overlooked the fundamental basis for what and how these things happen. A clear result of hindsight of a tragic consequence is that we can identify the inability of an individual to make a rational decision. A clear foundational issue of what leads to poor decision making is when humans are emotionally overwhelmed and they have difficulty untangling the Gordian knot of emotional turmoil that may result in tragic consequences. So from my point of view, from looking at the cognitive basis of a person's individual's functioning, we can perhaps lay the founding work, the foundational analysis of how we might address these problems at, at the very bottom, at the very basics of what, how we can make these changes. And we can immediately go into, to make an example, and it is a difficult thing to go over as a school psychologist, and the abstractness of knowing how these happen, school shootings. Looking through the historical records, it is an interesting to note that it has been noted if one goes to, and I will cite a source that professionally one is not really supposed to cite, but in Wikipedia, if one looks it up from the 19th century, 1940, there was a recording of the first shooting. And from there, for every year, there are additional recordings and records of these shootings. So that we can go back in the historical record and identify that this has been going on, perhaps not as tragic and as numerous as in the latest years. But even if we go back to, say, 1960, 1966, Austin, Texas, 25-year-old engineering student tragically went into a university and with a result of 17 deaths and 31 injured and so on. And each 
year following there are deaths attributed in schools universities by an individual it is at this time that we might consider what has been considered with the the, the worry and the fear of parents in regards to the safety of their children in schools is the increased frustration of law enforcement uh, educational districts in regards to how these can be prevented. And in each situation, there always seems to be a movement towards further restrictions, further limitations. And as an example, uh, even uh, Popular Mechanics has come out and identified what is now uh, many of the standard technological uh, implementation of cameras, uh, gun or metal detectors, and so on. But if we look at each as, as rare as it is for the overall population, the implementation and the worry and the consternation of thinking that this may happen at any of our schools continues to lead to further restrictions and ideas of how to limit this possibility. This is just an example of our perception of how to problem solve. And I'm offering a different way of perception. That's where we have identified the language of our BBS broadcast and chosen the word revolution carefully. In this current time and place, human beings are emotionally overwhelmed and we have started this process of understanding what are the results of the functioning of our minds when we are overwhelmed and when we are not processing as we should in order to function. So the implication for this, for this way to approach our problem solving is to understand the mind. So it's both the revolution of the mind and thus we are talk revolution because we are promoting change through our perception of how we deal with problem solving at the root rather than after the fact and as a result. And from this, we have built and determined to convey the word, an acronym, FAR, Function, Awareness, and Responsibility. This is coming from the identification of how the mind functions and the results of when we are overwhelmed. Being overwhelmed is not necessarily the same for everyone. And that has come from, that can be identified through diagnosis or the results of complaints or medical issues, but each person is 
and individually different in their results of when and why they may become overwhelmed. And just as they, the differences in the results of being overwhelmed may occur, there are also differences in the results. And these differences are due to the diversity of our brain functions from each individual. Later on in several, in what I expect uh, down the road, uh, several of my books are being written right now to explain the theory behind those uh, impact of cognitive functioning and how behavior follows that and why as individuals uh, the results are different but also in, can be gathered and patterns can be seen from that. So in this diversity, we can think of it as a bell curve in which there are many different reactions or different instances of how we react to stimulus of our environment. Imagine that we add sensory data through our eyes, ears, nose, taste, and touch. Now imagine all these data points are included in the need for the brain to process, conclude, or react to. Now we include our ability to sift this information to make an informed decision, an opinion, or to ignore the information. And most of the time, thankfully, we depend on much of this information to be processed automatically. And this is where the difference between one individual and their environment, one individual and their genetics, is brought to bear on the results when a person may or may not be overwhelmed. And in this result of the data, coming into the brain faster than it can be processed results in the brain's cry for help through the process of physiological reactions. The reaction most of us are aware of is the increased level of stress and anxiety. So for any given incident, we are trained or through cultural nonverbal cues to react in certain ways to certain stimulus. Some of us in this time, and because culture has been changing rapidly with the advent of technology, our environment has been changing faster, more likely to be changing faster than we are adapting to. And at that moment, we might expect that certain individuals who are not adapting to the fast pace of our changing environment, a person would snap or do something that we know is apprehensibly wrong, painful and hurtful. And this again would point or can be looked at 
as individuals who may be at the point of not being able to process all the data, all the points of sensory, emotional, uh, many types of different sensory that cannot be processed fast enough to make good decisions. In regards to making good decisions, then we look at the we look at the individual and the environment, and most of the time, in order to understand another individual, again, we are trying to organize function around behavior. If a person's behavior is such, then they are functioning. But again, the issue, if one is to look at what really happens in an individual, behavior follows function. So if the brain is not functioning, not able to process in the optimum method, then we get the increases of stress and anxiety. We are not problem solving as fast as we need to take in the changing environment. Again, we have looked at the fact that stress and anxiety, but in doing so, we have not associated with pain. Because in pain, we identify a physical aspect of a feeling when something is out of sorts with our body. So if we break a leg, there's a sensation that it hurts painfully. But when someone is depressed or unable to resolve an issue, we normally dismiss that as not being strong enough or educated enough or in some instance without taking into consideration that might be considered pain too. How do we get to this point? If we look at the bell curve, we see society and population as optimizing at the moment to a certain situation. And those individuals that are further away from the middle who are not adapting, they are, they are looked at as not performing or functioning to the optimum as those group in the middle. And it becomes then where we are dismissing those on the outside and peripheral of trying to meet the optimum environment that those in the middle do. And then again, when we talk about pain, the outside group, those on the furthest away from the adaptation possible to meet the expectations of society and institutional expectations, are looking for ways to compensate. If they're not processing and they're in pain, their perception of pain, not ours, then we have several outcomes that can happen. One, they actually properly seek medical help. Two, they're understood 
what their issue might be and are helped and supported. Three, self-medication, because the brain, the function is understanding or is looking to find a way for itself to work through the pain that it feels by not being optimal to its environment at that given moment. And for when we're, they're not able to adjust or self-medicate or find a way to adapt at that moment for the environment, then the brain and the behavior follows to seek a way out, to make their world fit, the outside world fit their view, which in many ways is lashing out. We can point to one of these behaviors that we're probably all familiar with, especially as parents, is temper tantrums. In a temper tantrum, when we're younger, we desire something, we want something, we're trying to make the outside world pay attention to our world. And when emotionally de development is not, is stunted or doesn't fully develop as we expect, a way that we normally identify with childhood development and is latent, then we can see that the outcome of delayed temper tantrum with a three-year-old who is throwing his arms in the air looks different than, say, an individual who is 18, is not conscious that they have developed to the point and are throwing their arms in the air we can see that this may in turn look like more like assault or issues. And again, this can be seen with increased severity, not in every individual, but individuals that are impacted by delayed development. And in the process of diversity, all of these functions are on a spectrum. So, all of us carry a spectrum of function with behavior that follows. And so in the list, in the school shootings, there are many reasons that may have many different situations that may have led to the outcome of their behavior, but it's still at the heart is their functioning, their processing, their inability to process at the time, whether it was emotional or their genetic disposition on not being able to process at that moment that they may have had trauma, previous trauma, or simply the way that they process information and at that time that they make a decision to do something outside the norm, they're clearly not processing the way that we expect in order to make a healthy decision about following cultural norms and not hurting other people or themselves. One example of that, while many of the situations in the school shootings, the individuals that I'm familiar with have had mental health, previous mental health, uh, undiagnosed or issues or trauma 
from childhood, some have not. And one of the latest examples of that was the Las Vegas shooting in 2017, and the police closed the case with no motivation. But if one takes a step back and looks at what really was the underlying issue of the reason, one might say, well, it's a random genetic issue or it's a random problem with uh, how that person saw. But in the end, if one looks back at the emotional decision that he came to, we might conclude if we looked at a wide enough variety of people in that category of functioning, that he was not processing his emotions in a way that would have provided a much more reasonable uh, problem solving for the issue on hand. There are a lot of clues to people who are in the field of diagnosing or in the field of understanding this. And I don't, I am not here to diagnose. I'm not a medical doctor per se, and I would not make a diagnosis of a person on the internet or without uh, having done testing and assessments and so on. But there are patterns to people's cognitive functioning and the bottom line that we share, even if we are different across the world in different cultures, what we do share is that we process, that we have memories and how we, how the brain takes that information from one part of the brain to the other. And when there are differences in the way the memory is recalled in the way that the information is not processed or processed, then those are the differences in which an event situation leads to a person making that decision. But in the end, it still comes down to that person was more likely to be overwhelmed emotionally, overwhelmed with data to the point that they were not making a good decision. So the problem solving one might implement, not only would one see that there are ways to have eyes in the classroom, have lockdown, have metal detectors, these are results, but to prevent these things from happening. There are ways in which we can help and support the brain to make good decisions. And that is by helping and promoting the brain to process the information. This is clearly seen when one is working with differences in severity. The differences in severity are, for example, from autism to bipolar and everything in between. 
And in those instances, one is specifically working with certain treatments. But when one is not working with that, there are still the issues of working with processing and information. For example, in autism, there may be more than one emotional issues of processing. There may be sensory, how one feels the touch of their shirt, how one feels the light, how one sees the light, how it bothers them, noise. It's a particular, uh, very, can be very stressful for individuals. Uh, differences in people's space, closeness. These are all sensory, added sensory data that normally is either processed or filtered. So it may be just ignored or it may be processed automatically, but when it's not processed automatically, then it becomes a manual process and it's one more thing on top of everything else. And then we get what we can see as being overwhelmed. Whereas in those who are adapting to normal issues and do not show right away any functional issues, it may be it takes longer to find that they're being overwhelmed emotionally over a period of time and at that point that they're no longer able to make an informed decision or a proper good decision about what they're doing, uh, then the decisions become those such as in the schools. So again, it's a matter of looking at how can we go in and help support the brain to better help the individual make good decisions. And that is the basis of how our approach for our series. In each and every case, we can look at how behavior follows function. So if we are attentive to function, we are attentive to awareness. And at that point, the individual is aware of their responsibility. If an individual and students or younger children usually come into behavior through awareness, but if they have a more extreme issue, more severe issue, then as I mentioned earlier in the program, instead of being aware of their issue, their effort goes into trying to make the world fit their perception. And at that point we have lashing out or self-medication or other issues that are maladaptive behavioral issues possibly. And it's this again is why this program in its series is seeking to change how we address and problem solve from the very functional issues of how our brain works or can work based on the individuals, not on a system or an institution. So as a, as a problem solving method, to this, 
the, the whole problem solving is centered around the idea, around the theories of emotional budgeting. And we have described some of the issues that lead up to what possibly could lead up to our uh, extreme issues of unresolved emotional processing. So in order to problem solve, we have looked at ways to help the brain treat itself and to support itself so that it can resolve some of lower the incidence of anxiety and stress by helping the brain process its demands it's every on its everyday demands so depending on the brain's functional ability to meet the immediate demands of the brain and at any given moment become emotionally overwhelmed by the data we have looked at an emotional budget workbook that reflects the practical results of those who complete the program. In most regards, we have been trained as in our use or, or world around the world with financial management. This has been fairly standard for almost any child is to learn how to budget, learn money as a practical way of surviving in their environment. But in no instances do we have a curriculum or as that is outside of any cultural verbal or nonverbal cues, how we deal with emotions. And so in this day and age, when we have our environment is different between different cultures, it's different between different individuals with different circumstances and educational demands. We are looking at a new revolution of providing training for young minds and older to take the emotions and train the brain to process as best to help process in the way that we would work a financial problem and we would learn to work an emotional issue. And the way that would happen is similar to the way we would work a financial problem. We identify each of the relationships that we have in our environment that reflect where we work, where we live, our families, our work environment, our relationships with friends, and identify each of those byline in the same way we would identify our income and our expenditure. 
So we know that usually we have one source or two at the moment of income, but we may have 50 expenditures. And if we did not know that, we would have instead how much money we made and how much money we spent. And then the worry and the stress would be resolved around the difference between how much we made and how much we spent. And if we spent more than we made, we would not understand that until we broke it down into parts. And in similar fashion, we are breaking down into parts, our emotional environment, our emotional relationships in the same way that we would with finances. And thus what we are introducing to this is the emotional budget workbook. This introduction is, as I mentioned, is revolutionary again in the sense of our foundational need to be sure to help the brain, support the brain, to get it to a point that the brain is lowering anxiety, lowering its stress, and it understands outside of our consciousness, the brain understands when it's overwhelmed. And it looks and seeks to process at an optimal level that information that we might not in our conscious mind. So again, if we look at financial budget, we only know that money is coming in and money is going out and there's a negative. Without understanding where and how we spent the money, we might become anxious. We might become very stressed. We may not be able to solve the problem because we wouldn't know how to address where the money is going out. And in the same way, emotions are similar. If we are accumulating emotions over a period of a day, a week, a year, depending on the situations, if there was trauma or if there was relationship that created stress, our brains may, depending on the individual and again on how their brain is functioning, it may not process over that period of time by categorizing it in the, in the brain system where it needs to be put in proper perspective of memory. So for example, those with emotional intelligence, a high emotional intelligence might, but with depression might put away their emotions for the day into a negative category that is tied together like a train and when that may be filed in a way that at the time that another incident happens, that identifying train of memory comes and is also negative, resulting in more negative outlook. Or we may have, when we look sometimes at the autistic spectrum, we often may see that the data is not put away. As I was mentioning, we are looking at the new program, new perspective of working with 
emotions as we might with a financial workbook. And so again, we've called this out perception and workbook and specifically the emotional budgeting workbook. In this way, a program, and in this way, we have seen in individuals that have used this program by categorizing their emotions, their brain naturally, and again, this is an important part of this brain function. The brain is striving to take the information it has and place it and categorize it as we might a file cabinet. The brain is not sitting waiting for a command. It does this through the, its vision, does this through its hearing. And so when we write this out, the information not only goes through a different procedure, goes through a different synaptic pathway than the one that it has been going around and around not being processed. So as the information is put down as it might in a financial budget and categorized, the brain also will do this for emotions. Does this mean that it will solve the problem by simply writing and transferring it, the information? No, but it does mean that the individual is more likely to solve their problem after the, the processing, after the categorizing. For example, if we have a stack of paper of financial issues in a stack, we will be frustrated, more likely frustrated and stressed by looking at that stack on our desk than if we knew that each of those files was in a file cabinet and we could look up each one and systematically identify what the issue might be. And the brain will do this for emotions as well. And we have come to realize that by implementing the practical side of that. So this is a way that we know that it works because we not only have we done this for ages and thousands of years with finances, but now that we are doing it with emotions, we are finding that we can gain similar results emotionally in order to make those decisions that are good. So we find that some children make good social decisions and we find some that do not. Those children who are likely, and we know this through research, do not make good social decisions have issues with processing the data around them and are often making impulsive decisions. We can make that same case financially. If we do not know and do not organize our finances, we may be likely to be impulsive because we're not aware of the consequences of those decisions. Whereas we process emotionally we have categorized it would be much easier to look by line item on an issue and be able to categorize. After we categorize, we'd be able to problem solve. So then it becomes a nice single item in which we are identifying 
And because we have done our homework, we then know we can make a decision on that one line item rather than on the whole emotional turmoil that we may otherwise have had in order to try to base a decision on. And this gets back to when a person snaps or when children who are 18 or younger use violence. We might conclude that the lack of processing the information leads to a lack of consequence and impulsive and decision-making not based on something they know, but they're trying to configure their outside environment with their inside thinking. And of course, it's called dissonance. There's a gap. It's not working. So the the measures become extreme, depression, and so on, and multiple issues of mental health and uh, increase and exacerbate the issue to lead to what might otherwise have been prevented. So we can look again at problem solving. Problem solving by way of supporting the brain in processing, helping it process, helping it categorize, so that we come to a line item of a problem that is much easier to identify, to resolve, and move on. It doesn't make the problem necessarily go away, but it helps the individual and it helps those around the individual recognize by a smaller degree of what can be done in a practical manner. And this, this is revolution of the mind, this talk revolution, because the approach is now that we are increasing our awareness of how we, our brain functions, we now can say, what do we need to do to support the brain to gain the goals that we want to achieve? And on one hand, we have worked towards financial organization. Now we can begin to understand that we can do the same for emotions. We can organize them in the way that we do with finances and move on to awareness. And from there, responsibility for our behaviors. If we do not understand how we function, we cannot be aware. And at that point, the consequences are similar just for those who are snapping, uh, making poor decisions versus those around them who are saying that. They want them to fit into a category in which they cannot do those, cannot make those decisions. And that would seem self-evident, except for the person who is making the poor decision. And how we reach them and how we reach our kids is to work with the understanding that we are developing, not only redeveloping function, 
we're not only developing awareness of the function, but now we can develop responsibility. Even when, even with the severity of disabilities or trauma that may have been experienced in the path, that is outside of the norm that would lead to additional issues and difficulties of adapting to the environment that they find themselves in. And this will be part of our next podcast when we discuss special education in the school districts and special education of what maybe perhaps some of the issues, how we can support, do a better job, and again, help kids problem solve so that less of the children need to go into or would have special education as a problem-solving method. Rather, they can find ways that will also help them in the, when, to avoid the need for that. And this also will address some of those long-standing uh, diagnoses that are part of whether a person needs to be in special education or they evaluated for that. There are many, many paths. But again, we want to center on problem solving. And the fundamental basis of our approach to that is behavior follows function. Our acronym, function awareness and responsibility and in that way, we would like to be sure to have that as positive, moving forward in a positive way and addressing, allowing each individual to have the confidence that not only are they capable of solving their own behavioral issues, but that others will also begin to understand that Perception and brain function are a very important method of being able to make changes as well as allowing for free agency. So instead of restricting on the outside by helping the emotional development, we are allowing the individual to develop in the way of our expectations to meet institutional expectations and for us to connect with the individual, both from an institution, a cultural and inclusive so that those on the outside will also be integrated with our expectations on the inside. And that also will at some time also be included in a series of disabilities, how we view them and how moving forward, uh, again, inclusivity, uh, work, and many other issues that follow uh, the changes that we are looking for with integrating all individuals and making productive all individuals through understanding and awareness of the mind.
We also have, uh, if anyone is interested out there, we do address this uh, available for consultations on our website, theemotionalbudgeting.com. We have workbooks available, and we are currently looking at having available some additional add-ons, narrative uh, workbook that will also be part of the series to help with once the foundational has been worked through, then the connection piece between teachers, uh, parents, uh, to help the young students or help people through the process of identity and moving forward in a positive way as well. Again, uh, I appreciate uh, everyone today who's been here to listen. This, again, this is the first BBS radio broadcast. We are extremely excited to bring to you something that is different, that a change in how we may view our longstanding issues as, I believe, the system failure in the, and the gaps that are presented in what we have been trying to do in mental health, uh, what we've been trying to do to support those who we consider to have disabilities. And that change, I believe, is an exciting part of who we are in America, because I believe that if anywhere we can adapt, we can make these changes here first. I think we can make them in a way that is what who we are and, and how we approach for practicality. So thank you again, uh, everyone, for being here today, and please Stay tuned for our next series in special education. Consultations are available through emotionalbudgeting.com for parents, caregivers, individuals, and educators. Copies of the book are available digitally on Kindle and in paperback on Amazon.com. Welcome to the Brain Revolution. Until next time.